Good morning. It's good to see you today. One of the fundamental commands of Scripture <clears throat> is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And on days like today, blue and orange, gold and green, that command, that second command is put to the test, but uh, we're going to love each other today. And we're going to love each other well, no matter who we're rooting for, right? So glad you came today. I don't know what your week has been like. For a lot of us, uh, the week's been frantic, a lot of frantic weeks going on. And so when we come into this place, uh, we get the privilege to draw into the presence of God and be quiet in His presence, which again is another one of the fundamental and beautiful commands of Scripture. Be still and know that I am God. Just take a moment to stop and know God, to know His presence. So I invite you this morning as we gather today to enjoy some stillness some stillness in the presence of God, to hear his word and to listen to it and to learn to obey it, to sing some songs that will remind us of the truths that we find foundational in our lives and to be with each other, which also gives us that opportunity for stillness. So we're going to open with a prayer as we do and uh, we'll have you remain seated so that everybody can see it. I will be praying the outdented lines. You You pray the indented lines You notice in there, there's a spot for just some silence to be quiet in the presence of God as we begin this morning. So let's pray these words to the Lord our God. O God, who is greater than the most powerful forces in the world, enable us to be still and know that you are God. Oh, still small voice, speak to us this hour. We pray all of this in the name of the one who calmed the raging sea. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. source of my strength and you are the strength of my heart you are the truth and the way you are the light in the dark you are the hope of the earth you are the bright morning star oh god one thing i know you are good Shines in 
God, we thank you, Father, for being God. And we pray, Lord, that we put you in that spot in our lives, Lord. God and Lord over everything in our hearts, in our lives, in our journeys, God, and the paths that you direct us on. And I will call upon your name 
Dear God, the words of David in his 139th Psalm are just perfect for this, Lord. And Father, I know that we we may have heard this before, but give us fresh ears this morning to just hear these words in a new way. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me. And your strength will support me. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my. Speak what is true. I am 
we come to God with open hearts <clears throat> and we look to him to speak truth to us and one of the ways he speaks truth to us is through his word we've been encouraging you to take a handful of scripture passages every week and and read them repeatedly maybe just zeroing in on one or all four of them you find them in your folder <clears throat> and so this coming week you're reading those four passages on through what we try to do then is bring one of those passages into Sunday morning and hear once again the words of God and without commentary. I'm not going to sit and explain it to you. To you. Uh, what we want is for the Spirit to explain it to us, for the Spirit uh, to, to hit us in the place we need to be hit, to touch us in the place that we need to be touched. So this morning, uh, as we prepare for communion, I'm going to be reading from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. And as you hear these words, again, with open hearts, listen. Perhaps there will be a word or a phrase that you'll just kind of lock in on. That, that that's the one that God's saying, that's where I want to encourage you, or that's where I want to teach you, or whatever. And, and then we're going to take that into our time of communion as we listen to a song that just talks about being still in the presence of God, uh, using these words as the way in which we'll enter God's presence and hear Him. So Paul writes, <clears throat> If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any share, sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy. Make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full of cord, full of, being in full of full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." 
Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work his good pleasure. Our servers are going to come. They'll hand out a tray. It's got bread and cup on it. Take one of each. And as you're listening to the song again, whatever those words are that God spoke to you, meditate on them as we, talk, as we listen to a song that talks about just being still in the presence of God. didn't take communion yet, go ahead and do so right now. So our small groups have been doing uh, the book Multiply by Francis Chan, and we encourage you if you didn't, if you're not part of a group, you can purchase one so you can be reading along. So we're in chapter two this week, and chapter two talks about making disciples. And part of the emphasis of that chapter is about, when we think about making disciples, we think in terms of teaching people lessons, giving people content. And he really puts forth this idea that that real discipleship is not so much about lecturing, but it's about loving someone and loving someone well. I heard that line a few years ago. Someone asked the question in a a presentation, do you love well? Do you love well? And that's really going to be the challenge for us this week as we dive into that chapter. Not, Not do I disciple well by telling people what to do, by lecturing them, but do I disciple well by by loving people well. Now, that's always a, an interesting challenge. Uh, we can always be more loving, right? 
Just about the time we think we've got this thing down and we're loving well, someone comes along and we just, we blow it. We don't get it right. Uh, God has been teaching me loving well this week in a different way than normal. It's been on the receiving end rather than the giving end. And, and I'll tell you what, receiving love is, is hard. It's humbling. It's, it's kind of difficult. You know, a lot of times we want to be the ones loving others, but when it comes back to us, it's kind of, wow. So um, it, it's not hard to guess, really, that right this season right now, it's a little bit of a frantic season, a little bit nuts, choosing paint colors, carpet, and all this. And, and I'm not doing it, but, but I live with someone that's involved. And so it'll be one in the morning, and she'll bolt up out of bed, and what do you think of fuchsia? I'm like, go to sleep. So anyway, um, kind of going through that stuff all the time, and, and other people who are involved in that are having the same problem with their spouses. So anyway, um, so that's been kind of nuts, and just the normal stuff in people's lives. And then something we haven't talked about a lot, um, Kim's dad not too long ago was diagnosed with kind of a, a pre-leukemia, and the doctors recently said, you have about two years to live. And so we've been kind of working through that. What does it mean not to have Dave Fry as part of our life anymore? So you got those pieces all coming together, and, and you're going through the same kind of stuff. You know, where there's just, there's a lot going on in life. And in the meantime, we're told, love well. And, and so you feel like there's this other agenda item there that you gotta, that you got to do. So this past week, a few people just kind of kicked in in a way and, and did some loving toward us that was, it was humbling, and I had to, you know, just sit there and receive it. Somebody, somebody brought a meal to our house, and I'm like, did I break a leg? Did I have surgery I didn't know about? And it's like, no, just want to love you well. Um, I actually had the gall to ask a favor of a football coach the day before the game. And he said, yes, that's loving well. You normally don't do that. And then it wasn't long ago that that I had a friend call, and, and I'm talking about what's going on in life, and he just says, Dennis, I can come preach for you if you want. And I'm like, that would be great. Because I don't know if you know it, but this thing comes around every seven days. And it gets to be a little bit, ah, sometimes. So, so to be able to push that aside and make some decisions and do some things around the house and just catch up was great. So I'm, I have the privilege this morning of introducing you to a friend. A friend I met, oh my goodness, over a decade ago now, or at least right about a decade ago. And here's where I met him. In the back row of a lecture. I love back row people. They, they tend to make all kinds of observations about what's going on in the room. They tend to have great humor. They tend to uh, add to the lecture as you're going along, those sorts of things. So he's got that kind of humor, and I love that. Um, my friend's name is Bill, Bill Nickerson, not Nicholson. I, it'll take about three months for you to get Nickerson, okay? And Bill's uh, right now in charge of a, a group called uh, Cornerstone Pastors Network. And basically what, what that group does is it pastors pastors. He's a pastor to pastors. And, and here's what I love about Bill. When I talk about loving well, Bill doesn't call, and he just calls randomly. It's the coolest thing. He just calls, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. He doesn't call and kind of give me a list of these are the things you should be doing or could be doing. He doesn't, he doesn't lecture. You should do this or you should do that. What Bill does is love well. He's, just a, he's a great person at loving other people. And I feel like I really get a chance to learn from him what it means to love well. So I could give you a lot of details about Bill's life, like the fact that he has lived in Colorado, California, and Texas. And I'm like, wow, promised land, one, two, three, not too shabby. That's, you know, could tell you all kinds of things. But bottom line, I, I, I want to just tell you that he's a great friend. And I love him. I love him in Christ. And I hope that you will enjoy hearing from him as well. And again, having that open heart hearing what he has to say from the Word of God today. Would you go ahead and welcome Bill right now? Thanks. I'll hug you before you get you up there. Am I on? Can you hear me? Okay. One thing I have to do, I've been doing this of late, because I get so enthralled with what I have to say, I set my timer So it'll make some obnoxious noise here at the end, but it's good for you that I do that. <laughs> well, it, it's really an honor to be here. I uh, um, I wasn't expecting that kind of an intro, but um, uh, we do love pastors. Uh, we do have a network of pastors, and it's a relational network, and 
And in that network, we equip and we resource and we encourage pastors. And we do that through a number of venues and ways. And one of them is my presence here today. And I just know what it's like going through a building uh, program and, and all the pressure and all. It just is amazing. And like he said, the clock just keeps going. It never stops. Never get a chance to rest. And I, I just sensed in my heart that Dennis might want a break and said, I'll come up and... and uh, you might not think it's a break after we're done, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I, I love the church. I've been in church all my life. I can recall even back in third grade in Loveland, Colorado, where I grew up. And uh, our church I grew up in was very, very old. It had a bell. actually had a bell. And it lifted our entire third grade boys' class off the ground when you rang it. And that bell was very tempting uh, for me because I'm just that kind of person. And uh, one day during church, I got up to go to the restroom and I had just kept looking at that rope and that bell. And I remember ringing that bell. And there was a guy, Mr. Gerke, I swear he was taller than Goliath. He was had to be eight feet tall, 400 pounds. And he picked me up and shook me and he said, son, I think the devil's got a hold of you. And I looked at him with eyes and I said, I think he does too. But uh, uh, I've probably seen it, been there, done it in church life. I've been in hundreds of churches. And like I said, we work with lots of pastors. And um, I'm just glad to be here. Are you glad to be here? I know what you're all thinking, Chicago and Packers. I, oh, man. I'm a Bronco fan, so how does that work in all this mix? So, uh, and then there's the Cowboys, where I live now. Well, that's a whole other story. But uh, anyway, uh, we do take our football seriously. I was at a conference a couple of years ago in California called, uh, it was Catalyst. I don't know if you've heard of that, but uh, it's for pastors mainly. And as I was sitting there, the theme of the conference was, your presence matters. And I chewed and chewed and chewed on that for a long time. And then I came across this passage in Scripture, and I'd like you to turn there with me. It's in Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 16. And if you have your Bibles or however you do your Bibles these days, in my church, everybody pulls out their iPhones, and they're on, immediately on the Bible that way. And so however it works for you. But I'm going to read a list of people that Paul lists here. And it's kind of an odd chapter in all of his writings, but this whole chapter is dedicated to people. And I'm going to read the first 16 verses of it to you. I will butcher some of the names in here because I honestly do not know. Even with all the Greek that I've had, I still don't know how some of these are pronounced. But here's how it goes. And he writes, and he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sincrea. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. Then he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but for all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greek Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. I mean, he's got friends in prison. I don't know how that works, but if they were in there because of him, they may not be so friendly, but they are here. And it says, uh, they are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was, Paul says. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apellus, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Trophosa, those women who worked hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet whatever that person's name is, Phlegon, Hermes, Pet. Petrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters among them greet another name I'll just butcher, but Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. 
Um, I've been to Mali, West Africa, and one of the things I learned in that culture is that greetings are extremely important. I mean, you can greet someone and you go through a whole series that you say to, to them. You can walk around the little building, meet the same person again. You've got to do it all over again. Greetings mean something in some cultures, and today we just do hi, bye, and see ya, that kind of thing. But greetings here is a set, in a sense, a set of uh, sense of honor. It's a sense of recognition. It's a sense of uh, being pleased with someone. And so, I started thinking with that present, your presence matters idea, and I went through this. And Paul is saying these people, their presence mattered. It mattered to him, and it mattered to the church. And so they get a, their name in the book here. Uh, let me just go give you a quick rundown, and then we'll talk about how this plays out. Phoebe, she probably delivered this letter that Paul wrote uh, because she lived in St. Crea, which is about 15 miles from Corinth. It was a coastal town, and uh, she had access to a number of venues for her to be able to go and do these kind of things. And then Paul extends his letter by these personal greetings. Guess how many people I read? 28. Okay, so you have 28 individuals. 26 of them he mentions by name. There's an ethnic mix of Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, men and women, married and single, leaders and followers. Okay, and those in vocational Christian ministry as well as those who were in just regular jobs. In government, there were civilians, slaves, etc. here. And free people. People like us. The mix is just so typical of the New Testament church. So if you want to break it down even further, did a little bit of homework on this. Two married couples are mentioned. Two are mentioned as sisters. Two represent a mother and a son. Eight are women. Nine, if you want to count Phoebe, and you have to because it says she's a woman. Five men appear to be a group of spiritual leaders. Two groups represent whole households. And at least three groups represent house churches in Rome. It's a powerful passage. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I'd just skip over those. Every time I come to that chapter, I would just fly right by it. You know, it's kind of like all the begats in Scripture and those kind of things. There's a reason Paul did this. He's very appreciative of the people that helped him. He's very grateful to them. So here's what we can draw from this. The first one I want to talk about is that your presence matters in community here. Um, Just going around the school here, how you take care of the building, how you leave the place, is a huge reflection of the image of Christ in the minds of the people that work here. I see some of you already nodding your heads, but it's, it's, it's huge. How we live our lives as Christians tells the world that our presence matters in the world. It matters not because we're important or that we can do extra special things, but if we're really the body of Christ, we're supposed to live that inside these four walls, outside the four walls. In fact, it's more fun for me outside the four walls than inside the four walls. It's more risky out there. It's safer in here. But your presence matters in community. It matters to everyone. If you were to go to your civic leaders here in the city and you were to talk to them, you'd find out some really great things. I'm almost positive you would. You'd find out that they love the city as much as you do. And maybe you don't love the city. Usually, and I didn't because I've been here before, but usually when I go to speak at a church... I get there an hour, sometimes two hours before, and I start driving around the church and I widen my circle, get wider and wider because I want to see who the church is ministering to. I want to understand. So I look at what cars are in the driveway. I look at who's on the streets. Are there runners, joggers? What kind of cars? I, all, all that kind of stuff. What the houses look like. Because it tells me a lot about the people who live in that area and how does that church impact that kind of community. I don't get all the answers from that. But I learn a lot, and it shapes, it shapes what I do. And so one of the things when, where I live now in Allen, Texas, which is really God's country, I mean, love Allen, Texas. I think, you know, I'm one of those guys that just now really discovered where I should have lived all this time. I, I, I love Allen, Texas. You know, that's Friday Night Lights is, is where that came from. 
We have a $60 million high school football stadium that no one can use right now because it's got structural issues, but they say it'll be ready by May. $60 million. They love football. You know, they don't build high schools in Texas anymore. They want all the students, all the top players to come to their schools, so they quit building them. I'm not kidding. I used to see your faces. Um, community matters. So how do you penetrate that community with the gospel of Christ? How do you help shape what's being decided in schools? How do you help all those things? And I believe, really, it's about living for Christ where we are. Like Dennis said, loving each other. Loving ourselves well and loving the world well. And stepping up to that. The second thing in this text that I saw is that your presence matters here in the body of Christ. This is extremely important. It's extremely important. I, you know, I work with churches. I'm not proud of all the ones I work with. I mean, I've had, I've had some serious conversations with some people in the church. I've actually had to ask on two occasions a certain family in the church to leave because they were, they thought they were owners and they were really keeping the church from going where it needed to go. And I stood up with the pastor because he really was trying to do the right things, but it was so far gone in so many ways of this church that we actually had to sit down over several meetings and draft a document that talked about how we treat each other, how we're going to talk to each other, how we're going to love each other, how we're going to honor each other. So that we can carry on with difficult conversations without letting it turn sinful. And so there are things about the church. And you don't think outsiders don't see that stuff? Well, they see it right away. And they don't want any part of it. They have enough conflict in their own world. They don't want to see it in the church. And so your community matters here. And it matters. I love what I heard Dennis say this a little bit ago about taking care of each other, taking a meal to someone. When was the last time you wrote a card and said, hey, I'm praying for your family next week. It's just some of the things I do. And and when I'm doing that, is there anything you'd like me to pray for in particular? Man, I'd love to get a card like that. Praying for each other is huge. It's just huge. And you can take that outside the church as well. I was in a hospital one time, and I know I'm a pastor and I do those things, but I was in a hospital one time, and this woman was just weeping, really weeping, in the waiting room. And I was actually there for somebody else. And I just went over and sat next to her, and I said, Hey, um, I didn't tell her I was a pastor. I said, But you look like you could use some prayer. Can I pray for you? And she, she was very gracious about it. I said, Would you? So we continued. We prayed for her husband that day. But I don't. I can't recall yet where I've been refused to pray for someone, a total stranger even, that will not turn down prayer. And so I just want to encourage you to think about that more as God leads in your life. But your presence matters in the body of Christ. Your presence matters in the home. Um, I... Uh, I'm not very proud of this point, but uh, about seven years into our marriage, I was in the grocery business, and I was doing pretty good in the grocery business. I loved it, actually. I I loved a lot about it, and I loved working with the people there, and um, I was always trying to get to that next level, that next position, and so even on my days off, I'd sneak in the store, and I'd check the schedule and see how everything was going, and I'd always be checking the store out all the time. And so um, I had good friends in church that we kind of raised our kids together. He's a business administrator actually at the church where I pastored. And uh, Chip and Meg were great friends of ours. And one night I told Chip, I said, hey, let's take our wives out on a date. and We'll go downtown. We'll spend the night in a hotel and we'll go to a movie and a dinner together. He was great. You know, we were best friends. And we thought, yeah, we'll do that. And then in the middle of the night, <laughs> My wife says, and I'll never forget this as long as I live, she says, I don't want to live with you anymore. You don't think that was a punch. I mean, I just sat there numb. I mean, I just couldn't believe my ears. And it was about 2 in the morning. And uh, I remember getting up the next morning after having not slept any. And uh, 
just walked out of there numb. So what did I do? I called a close friend of mine who later I became pastors with uh, at, at the church there. He was a youth pastor. And I said, hey, my marriage is in trouble. I need help. How can you help me? And fortunately for me, he knew of a good marriage counselor that we went to for eight months. I mean, it was pretty far gone in the marriage. And I struggled with that. And God began to work in my heart and my life. And I was invested in the marriage. I loved my wife. I really did. But there were times where I was not a very good husband. Lots of times. Didn't listen. Planned things without telling. I remember the, I married our marriage counselor one time, looked at me, and she looked at me, and she said, don't you know what Scripture says? Let your yes be yes and your no, no. If you tell your wife you're coming home at 5 o'clock for dinner, you better be home at 5 o'clock for dinner. Things like that. You know, easy stuff, right, guys? Just little things. And so that began to change my life totally. It began to really transform me to realize that as I studied stewardship in the Bible, I began to realize that God owns everything. He owns my home. He owns me. He owns my finances. He owns my children. And guess what? He owns my wife. And I go back to those parables, you know, that Jesus taught about. And I thought about this for a long time. And I began to realize that if my wife's on loan to me from God, I better turn her back in better shape than I found her. I've just gone from preaching to meddling, haven't I? <laughs> um, again, it, it's kind of a shameful experience, but it's an experience now that I, I can share with others. And I can say, hey, we all struggle. We do life together. We struggle together. In our church, in a small young marriage group of people we had, we did life together. See, your presence matters. Kim's pre- presence mattered in my life because he knew a counselor that could help me. I also knew by going to church, I would be there with other people who were struggling like me, who wanted to find answers, who wanted to grow together in our faith and our walk together with the Lord. Let me tell you, folks, that speaks volumes to the world. When we can be a place of hope, a place of healing, a place of learning, a place of growing and doing life together and doing it better than the world can experience. Do you see what's going on here? I'm so excited to be here. I can't see straight. I've been to your church several times, watched the growth process and the building. And all I keep asking myself is, what's God got in mind for you? Because I don't think it's this. I think what he's got in mind for you is what you're doing out there. That your presence matters at work. Doing your job better than the average coworker. Showing up. Being on time. Being a team player. Going along with it, even though you may not agree with it. And being able to disagree in an honoring and caring way where you're respected by other employees. Living life together. Doing life the life of Christ. Becky Saha. In the church I was pastoring out, and well, I wasn't pastoring, but I was on the board and very involved there in California. Uh, Becky, Becky worked for a pretty high, fast-paced company, and she, she's Becky doesn't miss anything. She is a detail person all the way. So we started a, a, a leadership course that took two years, and during that course of time, she began to read and she began to study, and she began to grow, and she began to realize how much her presence mattered at work. And so one day in church, totally unexpected, Baptist church, you know, we don't do anything. We don't clap. We don't smoke. We don't chew. We don't go with the girls that do, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so Becky stands up, tears running down her face, and she shares a really terrific story about her life. And she said, you know, you all know me. She led on our worship team. And she said, ever since I've been taking this course, God's been changing my heart, grabbing my heart. And I'm, he's changing me. And she said, I sat down with my boss. And when I had my review, I got down to the part where he's, you know, plays well with others. How well do you get along with your coworkers? And he, he, he said, nobody wants to work with you, Becky. You're too demanding. You're, you're, you know, you walk on people. You went through the whole thing. A year later, and this is when Becky's standing up, tears running out her face. She said, I just had my year review. 
And when it got to that part, her boss pushed back from his desk and he says, what on earth has happened to you? And Becky began to tell him, she says, you know, it's really God who's done this. And she went through the whole thing and he says, well, we're paying for it. How expensive is it? Because he says, we want you to keep in there. And he says, now when we create a project, everybody wants to be on your team. Folks, we can do this. We can do it better, but we have to let God do it in us and through us. Something has to take place here in order for us to be important out there where our presence matters. I hope you're not a stranger to your community. You still have to answer the question. This is an old question, but it still holds true today. If Southfield closed its doors today with the community notice, you've got to ask that question. Every church has to ask that question. Because if you can't answer that and you don't see an effect of your presence there, you might want to ask yourself, what is our purpose here? What are we doing here? Because the community should feel that. One other comment I want to make about the presence of the uh, matters in the body of Christ is that it isn't all up to this guy. Now, he and I have not had any conversation about this, but I want to tell you what I work with. Listen to these. 80% of seminary and Bible school graduates will leave the ministry within five years. Only 10% of pastors will actually retire as a minister in some form. Over 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month. Over 1,300 pastors are terminated by the local church each month. 50% of pastors are so discouraged that they would leave the ministry today if they could, but they don't really know what else they would do. You see, how we treat each other is a real sign of health in the church, how we grow together in church, how we express appreciation to one another, how we live together. So your presence matters at work as well. I remember up at, I don't know if you heard this, Dennis, but Stuart Briscoe told this story up at Green Lake that he brought all his staff in. They were going to talk about an evangelism uh, training thing they were going to do and he was a little disgusted because of the staff's reaction to it. And they were all kind of standing. They were lined up against the walls. But there was a girl sitting in the middle of the floor. He didn't know her, didn't recognize her. It's a pretty large church that he was pastoring. And he went over to her because she was just beaming. She had her legs crossed. She was just kind of sitting there bouncing, waiting for the, pro- the program to get started or the meeting to get started. And he says, hey, what's your name? And he says, what do you do? What's your name? What are you doing? She gave her name. And here's what she said. I'm a fully devoted follower of Christ, cleverly disguised as a stockroom worker at such and such company. I love that. I love that because she gets it. She understands her priorities. She knows who she is in Christ. And she knows that this job thing that she's doing, she knows her presence matters out there. But she knows what's driving that. She knows what's moving that way. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's this idea that's just so significant that it's, it's so simple, I think, sometimes that we get over-sophisticated and we think we have to do this and this and this and just be who you are in Christ wherever you are. And it'll make a difference. It'll change lives. I guarantee you it'll change lives. Your presence matters in the world. You know, the world's getting smaller, much smaller. I think about it today, missions is being done so much differently than it was 10 10 years ago. Like I told Dennis last night, we had some dinner together, and I said, it's not change that bothers me so much anymore. It's how fast things are changing. That's hard to cope with sometimes. We were having a conversation with one of the guys we've been talking to who deals and works with churches on giving and uh, uh, tithing, all that kind of stuff, and He said to a group of pastors, he says, the offering plate may be non-existent 10 years from now because of electronics, the way we do money, how we handle things like that. Just think about that. It's a worship piece of our church culture and how we do things together. uh, It's part of discipleship. So you you think about how these things are changing, how fast they're changing. And so globally... You really can think locally anymore. 
I'm all for short-term mission trips. I think they're good, and I think you should still do them. If I was ever asked, I'd say, yeah, go at it. Go after it. Go do it. But people are coming to this country in our universities, and they're going back to their own, their own world, and we're either missing the opportunity or in some cases we're taking advantage of the opportunity and hopefully sending back Christians. So this thing about our presence is, is it's more than, than you realize. I just read an article this week of a, a high, high-ranking finance guy, president of a company. It's, a, it's huge. You would know it if I could think of the name of it. And he shares this story where his daughter sat down with him and gave him a list. And he said, what is all this? And she said, these are all the dates you missed with me. And as he read through them, he said, I had good excuses for all of them. And then it really hit him that this was a gift, his daughter. And he resigned from the company. Sometimes we have a tendency to fall into these little traps that really bother us. And we miss the whole point of what God might be trying to do through us, you know, in the situation. I love to drive fast. I love fast cars. And I cannot stand people who get in the fast lane and go the speed limit. And... My wife, to her credit, I should tell you, this story ends good. (laughs) We've been married 39 years this December. And uh, I always introduce her as my first wife. And and, uh, she just rolls her eyes because she's heard it like 50,000 times. (laughs) But my wife is always there, and she'll put her, she's just so great. I hate her for it. She puts her hand on my arm. She says, now you have kids in the car. Not about going fast, about what I'm saying about the guy who just won't get out of the lane in front of me. And I'm just sitting there telling you my presence matters to those kids in the car. It's more caught than taught. You know, sometimes I don't think we need to be taught anymore. We just need more review of what we know. So your presence matters in those areas. Wouldn't you like Paul to be able to write your name in there? How you helped. How you made a difference. Who's the guy? There's a guy here that's been since day one. You were talking about him this morning. He's set up all 13 years. Yeah, I mean, his presence matters. I mean, your presence matters. It's huge. You may not think it does, but it's huge. Makes a difference. To the person who you know, empties of trash cans or whatever the chores are here. It's huge because you send a message every Sunday you set up here. It says, this is who we are. This is what we're about. And we're about life change. We're about transformation. And you can come as you are. I mean, look at me. Look how I'm dressed today. I mean, it's not about that. It's about the human soul. It's about that person's life that comes in here. Do you value it? Because God sure does. Do you love the person sitting next to you? Well, I I, got to finish with one more thing because it's just key and something we're learning at our own house. We've lived there two years now in Allen. And a couple weeks ago at my church where I attend, they gave us all a magnetic tic-tac-toe drawing. And it says you in the middle box. So you know what our assignment is? Who are the three neighbors across the street? Who are the two on the sides? And who are the three in the back? And can you name them? That's our assignment. So I, don't, I quit going to the refrigerator. Can you tell? Because it's on our refrigerator. And so I, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to look there anymore. But I was embarrassed because we only knew one. Now, in Texas, it's different than here. Our garages are in the back. We have alleys. And most of our neighbors, not all. Yeah, I'm done. And so I'm not making excuses. It is a little bit harder. You don't see people out in the front of their houses very much. And in the back, we all have fences because we have pools and all that stuff. But, but it gets a little warm there. So 
your presence matters. Look to someone right now, say your presence matters. Come on. Say your presence matters. All right. I'm going to close this in prayer. You want to beat those Methodists to the buffet, so let me, uh, before the game, so let me do that. Will you pray with me? Father, will you forgive us of our shortcomings? And I know the answer to that. You will. Forgive us for the times where we don't see the openings that you create for us to uh, let people know that we're followers of you. Uh, forgive us for those times as well. But Lord, create in us uh, uh, an energetic heart, seeking and looking for opportunities to share your love with others, to share your giving with others, to share who you are with others, so that they too might enjoy a life in Christ. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Would you thank Bill again? Awesome. Awesome. All right, our servers are coming to collect the offering right now, and I have a bunch of things for you really quickly. Somebody left their great Trader Joe bag at the picnic. I'm going to leave it right up here. If it's yours, take it. If it's not, that's stealing. It's a sin. Don't do that. All right. So last week, we talked about doing this great prize for the service that uh, was able to identify all these things about verses, okay? And you guys did great. And then the second service comes, and they're kind of plowing along, And we came to that Esther question, the one that was going to be, you know, this is the tiebreaker. And what do I do? I click the slide and put the answer up on the board. I'm like, ah, everybody's a winner. So everybody's a winner. So today at the door, you will have your choice of Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, Jolly Rancher, or a kiss, not from my lips, but in foil. There you go. So there's that, okay? Um, What else? Uh, wow, great week going on over there at the, at the building. I mean, you can see, I didn't even take, well, I didn't take pictures this week in part, just lack of assignments. I'm trying not to do as much stuff this week, okay? So, um, dirt's been moved. I mean, it's all flattening out there. They've got all that going. The siding's all done. The drywall is like 90% done. It looks like, I was in there last night, and I went, wow, I used to actually come to church on Saturday night's to practice. I'm going to get to do that again. This is kind of cool. It's the first time I was standing in that room and I could, I could imagine what I could imagine all the rest of the church, but for some reason that area, I had kind of a block going and finally, oh, that was so cool. So the other night I was sitting out there. I love when everything kind of pulls together on a Sunday morning and, and God does it, not us. I'm sitting the other night in the parking lot, just looking at the building and looking at what's going on. And, and in my mind, I'm writing my own act 16 or Romans 16, writing my own list of just the people that have been present. And the way you've been present throughout this, it's just, it's incredible. And we're going to be able to celebrate all that together. So like I said, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of the normal stuff I do this week. So here's one thing I didn't. I didn't make the countdown slide. So here's the countdown slide, okay? Oh, breathe. Five, 10, 13. That's this week. Are you ready? Five, 10, 12. Very high tech, okay? So, as you leave today, I will resist the temptation to re-preach a sermon and simply say this. Sometimes when you're encouraged to minister, you kind of break out in hives. I didn't go to school for that. I don't know enough of the Bible. How can I do that? The ministry of presence is a huge ministry. To be able to say to somebody, I'm here is huge. Bill's giving you all kinds of suggestions of what you could do in terms of presence. Choose one this week. Choose one and say, I will be present for you. I'll just be present. All right? Let's stand. Say hi to somebody on the way out so I have enough time to get to the door. Have a good week. All right? We'll see you.